Welcome to you. I'm glad that you're here today, and welcome to our online audience. So, as Dennis mentioned, as Rob mentioned, you know, for the last few weeks during this month, we've been going through this unshakable series. As George has been out, we've been going through and talking about these core tenets of the Christian faith. And in the first week, Rob reminded us that God is faithful to his word and to his promises. In the second week, Dane reminded us that God is constant and unchanging. Two weeks ago, Marty dove into the depths of sin and death and all the other pain that has come from the fall of man. But last week, Dennis reminded us that sin and death don't hold any power over us because God has redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I have the privilege of concluding this unshakable series by talking about this last core tenet of the Christian faith. And to be honest with you, it's one that we probably overlook a little bit more than we should. This morning, we're going to be talking about eternity. And especially, we're going to be talking about the end times. Now, some of you just woke up when I said that. And some of your eyes got really big because you know one of two things. You know this is either going to be really, really interesting or it's going to get really, really weird. Well, I promise you, we are not going to get really, really weird. We are going to stay right on track. And man, we are going to do justice to this core tenet of the Christian faith. Because you know what? A lot of times, I, th- I think we kind of attach this stigma to the end times, or we attach this stigma to eternity, just simply because it is really hard to understand. You know what? We have no concept of something that's eternal, even though we can kind of think, okay, well, it's something that goes on forever. We really don't know what eternity is like. And so this morning, I promise we're not going to dive into some weird conspiracy theories or we're going to go into some crazy details or something like that. This morning, I hope this message is an encouragement to you. And I hope it's something that you find really edifies you and builds you up. Because I know that, that 2020 especially has been a really, really crazy year for a lot of us. And I know that there's been a lot of pain and that there's been a lot of, of just distress that has come from this year. I mean, many of us have lost jobs. Many of us have lost our health. Some of us have lost loved ones. Man, 2020 has been a hard year. But the end times and eternity gives us hope that, you know what, one day all of this is going to pass away. That, that one day all this pain, all of this loss, all this suffering, that that's going to give way to something infinitely more glorious. And that's the hope that I want to give you today. So instead of diving into all these different crazy details, man, I, I just kind of want to start us out by thinking of the end times and, and thinking of the eternity in this one way. That, that for those of us who are in Christ, the end times are not some crazy dystopian future. But instead, they're the finish line of a really long and hard-fought race. As many of you know, I love sports with a passion. And especially my Oklahoma Sooners football team, which I just want to throw out there. They won amazingly yesterday. That has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. I just wanted to throw that out there. 
But I love sports, and man, I have always really enjoyed playing sports. I've really enjoyed watching sports. And back in high school, I even competed in a lot of different sports. And one of the ones that I did back in high school was cross country, which to this day, I have no idea why I subjected myself to that. Because if you don't know what cross country is, it is literally a competition to see how far you can run and to run faster and further than the other people around you. Which for most people sounds more like punishment than it does like competition. But yes, for a season of my life, I did cross country. And our races would sometimes be two miles. More often than not, it would be a 5K, so 3.1 miles. Sometimes we had races that were even longer than that. And we would have weekly races during the cross-country season. And I'll be honest, I actually enjoyed running for that season of my life. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the teammates that I had. I enjoyed the competition. It was a lot of fun. But without fail, every single cross-country race, I got to this point where I was just ready to be anywhere else than in the middle of that cross-country race. And usually at that point, my breathing started to sound more like a squeaky wheel on a shopping cart because it's like, <gasps> you know, like your, voice, your body's just kind of making all these weird noises because you're pushing yourself so, so hard, not only to win the race, but just to maintain the physical exertion that you're letting out. And, and man, I would just be dying in the middle of the race, and I would just get so ready to be done. And it would not only be physically exhausting, it would be mentally exhausting as well. But then there was this glorious moment that happened every single race. You got to this point where you could finally see the finish line. And let me tell you, no one in the history of the world ever ran faster than me when I got in view of the finish line. Now, I wish I could tell you that was because I was that competitive or because I just really wanted to win that bad. But no, I was just that ready to be done that I knew if I ran really, really, really fast, I could be done that much quicker. And I wanted to go home and eat Mexican food. And if me running 10 seconds faster got me home to eat Mexican food that much quicker, then I was going to Usain my bolt, or Usain bolt my way to the finish line. So I ran to the finish line. Man, the finish line was an easy way to just see that, okay, this race isn't going to go on forever, even though it feels like, and even though this pain that I'm feeling, that, that it is going to come to an end. And, and so the finish line well, was kind of this thing that I looked forward to. It was the best part of the race, if you ask me. And you know what? In Scripture, we see a lot of talk about the finish line. Paul especially wrote a lot about the finish line. He wrote about how life is this race that we're all running, and so we need to run this race well, but we need to keep our eyes fixed on this finish line. And, and as I was thinking through this message and how I wanted to lay things out, I think of eternity as kind of being that finish line, that thing that we have to look forward to. And kind of, again, going with Paul's example, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, this is what Paul wrote. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So once again, while when I was running cross country, I always looked forward to the finish line because that meant that all my squeaky wheel breathing would come to an end. Man, Paul looked forward to the finish line of life. Because if you know anything about Paul, he lived a really, really, really hard life. Paul suffered a lot for the sake of the gospel. Went all over the world telling people about Jesus. Literally spread the gospel a bunch of places, which is amazing. And he leaves an awesome testimony and an awesome legacy for us today. But Paul knew what it was to suffer. And Paul, when he wrote these words in 2 Timothy 4, he was a man that was ready to go home. He was a man that was ready for the suffering and for the distress of life to come to an end. And in these words, I I don't hear Paul looking towards this finish line in a distressed way. I don't hear Paul looking towards the finish line despondent or hopeless. Rather, I hear someone who's tired. And I hear someone who sees that he's about to enter in to this next chapter and that that gives him hope because he recognizes that all this pain and that all this suffering was about to give way to something more glorious. And so Paul spoke a lot about the finish line because he knew that something more glorious and something infinitely better awaited him on the other side of it. So Paul was a man that looked forward to the finish line. And I think for us that that's the context that we should have as we continue on in this message, is that the finish line and that the end of all things, that that's not something to be feared or that's not something to to dread or not even something to avoid, but rather that that's something that we should look forward to. That should fill us with hope that something infinitely more better awaits us than what we've experienced in this life. So I think it's easy for us to understand this concept of a finish line, right? A lot of us, whether we run or not, we we get the finish line. But when we're thinking about eternity and when we're thinking about the end times, I don't think the concept of the finish line is necessarily the sticking point for a lot of us. Because we get the finish line. It's an end point. I think for a lot of us, where we kind of get hung up is thinking about what happens after that finish line. What happens after that finish line? As I mentioned before, you know what? You can get a little weird with that sometimes because I'll be honest, if you've read through Scripture and you've read through the prophecies and you've read through some of the descriptions of heaven, man, they're, they're just really hard to understand. It's really hard to kind of nail down what's being said in a lot of these different places. And so I think, unfortunately, sometimes we start interjecting our own opinions in there. And so... You know, we'll get a bunch of books that are written about what heaven's going to be like or what the end times will be like. And then there are movies that are made about this topic. And and so you just hear a lot of opinions and a lot of things that sound really confusing. And and it really just kind of becomes a weird thing rather than an edifying thing. But this morning, again, we're going to steer clear from all of that. 
Because there is a lot that I think we can just honestly and freely say that we just don't know and that we don't understand. And if I were to say it, it would be nothing more than my opinion than anything else. So I'm not going to give you my opinions on things. I'm just going to stick to what Scripture says. And we're just going to do our best to to just land there. So this morning, as we answer this question, okay, the end times and eternity, that these are the finish line, but not only that, that it's what lies beyond the finish line. If you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open up to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. If you don't have it with you, we're going to have it here on the screens. But here in the book of Revelation, this is what John, who was the disciple of Jesus, this is what John is giving an account of. And John is basically in exile on this island called Patmos. And he is living out the remainder of his days in exile on this island. And then Jesus and one of the angels appear to him and basically give him this revelation of what is to come and what is going to happen. So these are the words that we're about to read of the new picture, or excuse me, the picture of the new heaven and the new earth. So let's begin in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. Doesn't that just already kind of fill you with a little bit of hope? Now we're going to dive into a little bit of that here in a second, but let's just make this clear. There is more in these seven verses than we could ever even hope to unpack in a one-hour-long sermon, let alone a full day. So there's a lot that we aren't going to be able to cover in here, which is unfortunate, but but there are a few things that I want us to pull out. But before I really kind of get into the meat of some of these words, I want us to, to just understand specifically in the context of the book of Revelation, what has just transpired as this is being written. So, these words are from Revelation 21, but in Revelation chapter 20, what's just happened, which we're not going to read it, but I encourage you to go home when you have time and read it, what's just happened is that Satan has just been thrown into the lake of fire. So basically what that means is that Satan has gone bye-bye forever, and he is gone, and he is forever out of the picture. Now, that sounds really, really, really cool, and that sounds really great, but I want to make sure we understand the magnitude of what is actually happening here. Because from Genesis chapter 3 until Revelation chapter 20, the world has been experiencing this battle between God and between Satan. And, And you know what? That's honestly what we're living in the middle of right now. 
is that there's this great battle that's taking place around us. And we see evidence of that. I mean, certainly even in 2020, we see evidence of that. Right? The, God's Word in John 10.10 10 tells us that the enemy, being Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is saying that I want to bring you life and life to the full. And that's a battle that we see taking place all around us today. And that's a battle that has been taking place since the beginning of time. That Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, but God is fighting to bring life and life to the full. And so we get that. But man, you know what? In Revelation chapter 20, what's just happened before these words, that battle has come to an end. And God has won. Satan is going bye-bye forever, and he is no more. And so that in and of itself is something important to understand. In these words in Revelation 21, this is now a new heaven and a new earth that is completely free from Satan and from all the havoc and all the pain that he's caused. So that's one thing that you have to look forward to, is that one day... Satan and his stealing and his killing and his destroying, that that's going to be no more. All the crazy stuff that he has caused, that that is going to go away and that is never coming back. So that's one thing we get to look forward to in this new heaven and new earth, is that Satan is going away forever. But in particular, I want us to take a look at some of these words. We see that God is saying that I will make all things new. And I want us to understand the importance of that, that God is making all things new. He's not just going to give it a new coat of paint and say, here you go. No, instead God is literally making all things new. So all the things that are screwed up and all the things that are, as Scripture tells us, subject to decay in this world, that they are literally being made brand new. And they will stay brand new and perfect and eternal in ways that we can't even hope to understand on this side of heaven. So the earth will be brand new. The heaven will be brand new. And it's never, ever, ever going to experience the curse of sin and death. And so it won't be an improved version. It'll be totally new. So just to make sure we're tracking on the same page, here's what that newness means. In this new heaven and new earth, there will be no sin, there will be no death, there will be no loss, there will be no disease, there will be no sadness, there will be no hatred, there will be no injustice. And you know what, I think it's even a safe assumption to say that in this new heaven and new earth, there are not going to be elections and political calls and spam text messages and crazy voicemails leaving your phone. And if that doesn't sound like a perfect place, then I don't know what to tell you. This new heaven and new earth is going to be free from all those things that not only drive us crazy, but that bring us pain here on this earth. And that's not just for a little while. That's forever. And again, I know that whole concept of forever We can kind of get it, but we kind of can't at the same time. You guys, that newness and and that life, that's forever. And so that's important to know, is that all of this is being made brand new in the new heaven and the new earth. 
But then there's another thing I want us to kind of pull out and take a look at here from Scripture. It it also, if you remember, if you have your Bible, you can go back. It, It also emphasizes that God's dwelling will be with his people. Now, you might be a little confused by that because you're like, well, what's so unique about that? Because don't we say that, you know, Jesus comes to live in our hearts and that, you know, God is all around us and all, you know, like, so what, what really changes? Well, this is a whole new level of God being connected to us. Because, see, in the Old Testament, God was connected to his people through a priest in a temple, And in this time, in the new covenant that we live in, God is connected to his people in a more personal way. But but we'll be honest, we still kind of have this distance, and we kind of still struggle with that a little bit. Because even though we can now have a personal relationship with God, and even though we can know him in a personal way, you know, we literally can't see him face to face. It's almost, the way I was thinking about it this week, is it's almost kind of like we're on the phone with God, at least on this side of heaven, right? You know, we, we can talk to him, we can have a relationship with him, and, and we can, you know, get to know him, and, and obviously he knows everything about us, but we can get to know him and have this personal connection. But there's still this, this distance that we kind of feel. But you know what? In this new heaven and new earth, that distance will be gone. Because God will literally be in the middle of us, face to face. And that we're going to be connected with him in a way that we can't ever hope to understand. And and so for us in this life, as we kind of battle and as we kind of struggle with, you know, staying, maintaining that connection with God and and making sure that we have a good prayer life and, and making sure that, you know, we're doing what's holy and righteous in the eyes of God. Man, you know what? One day... We are going to see God face to face, and we are going to be in his presence forever. Doesn't that sound awesome? So that's just a small, small taste of what we have to look forward to. This new heaven and new earth will be free from all the pain, will be free from all the sin, be free from all the illness, from all the things that make this life so tiring and so exhausting. Man, this new heaven and new earth is going to be free from that. So that's kind of the the 30,000-foot view. That's kind of the what. But I want to kind of look at the who now. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip over to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to begin in verse 12. This is what Jesus says. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves to practice falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. 
And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life come. So again, in Revelation 21, we kind of get this beautiful picture of what this new heaven and new earth will be like. And it will be so much more magnificent than we could ever, ever, ever hope to imagine. But as we move forward in Revelation chapter 22, we kind of get a little bit more clarification. Not only on what will this new heaven and new earth be like, but who will it be for? And if you noticed in this little chunk of five verses here that I just read, there's a divide here. There are people who do get to enjoy the new heaven and the new earth, and then there are those who do not. And, And simply, the new heaven and the new earth will be enjoyed by those, as Scripture says, who have their robes washed in the blood, or have their robes purified. And really what that's a picture of is that those who get to enjoy the new heaven and the new earth, and those who get to be free of all the sin and all the pain and all the death and all these things, man, the ones who get to enjoy that are the ones who have put their faith in Christ. Because as Dennis mentioned last week, that, that you know, while sin has come into the world, and while sin has this curse and that sin separates us from God, God has redeemed us through Jesus' death on the cross, and God has given us this way of salvation. And for anyone who receives the finished work of Christ as their redemption, for anyone who receives this way of salvation that God has given to us, that they can have their sins forgiven. And basically in this picture that John is painting, that their robes can be washed, that their sins will be washed away. So this new heaven and new earth is created for those who have received Christ. And then obviously we see that that it specifies that those who have not received Christ, that simply put, they don't get to enjoy it. That they are somewhere else. That they are separate in a place that is outside of this beautiful creation that God has made. And so this morning, you know, as I think through this, as we just plainly see that to enjoy this new heaven and this new earth, man, you have to be part of God's family. That makes me wonder one of two things. One, are you a part of God's family and am I part of God's family? Because that's really, really important as we look forward to the finish line in eternity. But I would imagine that for those of us in this room and for those that are watching online, that many of us would probably say, okay, yes, I've already received Christ. You know, I have this story, you know, this, that, or the other. But then the question is, well, then who are you helping to walk towards this wonderful place? Because you know what? Not only have we experienced all the pain and all the suffering and all the things that have happened in 2020, We have a world around us that doesn't have the hope that there's a finish line that's in store for us and that all this pain and all this suffering is going to come to an end. So if you've already received Christ and if you already know that that as John is talking that your robe has been purified and that your sins have been forgiven, if you would already say, yes, I'm part of God's family, then I would simply challenge you, well, then who are you helping to be part of God's family? 
Who, who are you giving this hope to that we have? And, and if you don't know anyone, or if you don't have anyone in your life that isn't a follower of Christ, then, then as I said when I taught earlier this year, I would challenge you just to pray the simple prayer, God, would you reveal to me the people in my world around me, or God, would you give me people who don't know you that I can influence and that I can share the hope of Jesus Christ with? Simple prayer, and I promise you that is a prayer that God will honor. Because guys, once again, here's just the simple thing I want us to get down. This new heaven and new earth that is free from Satan and free from the curse of sin and death, while it's a beautiful and a magnificent place, you can get in by invitation only. And the invitation is receiving this free gift of life that Jesus Christ has offered us. So if you're tired of the hate, if you're tired of the hurt, if you're tired of the pain, the sadness, the brokenness, I want you to know that there's something better on the other side of the finish line for you. And I hope that encourages you and I hope that excites you. Because guys, once again, I recognize that this has been a tough year for a lot of us. And, and for many of us, this year it, it is a tough year, but there have been a lot of tough years. And life is hard. And I don't think I'm going on a limb to say that, that I think we've all experienced that in some way, shape, or form. Life is hard. But we have the hope that one day all of that is going to fade away and give way to something infinitely more glorious. But to receive that glorious future, to be part of this new heaven and new earth, you have to know Christ. Many of y'all have heard me joke um, that I, I, I describe myself as little more than a very cleverly disguised Southern Baptist. Um, and in many Baptist churches, um, there's a song that, that has regularly tickled the ivories. Um, it's the old classic, Because He Lives. And as I was thinking just through this message this week and, and just kind of putting my thoughts down, um, the, the words to Because He Lives just kind of came to my mind. And if you're not familiar with it, um, this is how it goes, which I'm not going to sing it for you, don't worry. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, that life is worth the living just because he lives. I don't know what this year has been for you, Again, I know many of us have lost jobs. Many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us have lost friends. Some of us are losing our sanity with all the election stuff going on. Whatever this year has been for you, I know that this life, no matter what, will bring difficulties. And we saw how Paul looked forward to that finish line because he understood that, that that finish line represented the end to all the pain and the end to all the suffering that this life brings. Because you know what? The finish line 
is something that we have to look forward to because it gives way to something so much more glorious. And again, I wish we could just dive through the entire book of Revelation and all these end-time prophecies. But man, that's something that I want to encourage you to go home and on your own time do. However, this morning, if you're in Christ, you have the hope that everything that has been difficult and everything that has happened this year, that that is going to come to an end. And that because our Savior lives, as Dennis talked about last week, because Jesus lives and because he is faithful to his promises, like Rob talked about in that first week we were in this series, that we can know that we have nothing to fear as we look forward to this future that awaits us. We can know that there's a hope and a future that nothing in this world could ever take from us. If you're in Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can rob you of the hope and the peace of eternity. So this morning, I want you to know that that finish line is coming. And man, you know what? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that day may come where we pass away. But one day, some way, somehow, that finish line is going to come. And we can know that our future is secure because Jesus lives. And that pain and that suffering will give way to something so much more glorious. So this morning, I want to leave you with just two thoughts. If you've already received God's invitation, as Revelation 22 talks about, if you've already had your sins forgiven, if you've already come and joined God's family, then man, I want to encourage you to help others find it. Find the hope, find the life, find the peace that we have in Christ. Help them know that there's a future that's awaiting them, that's free from all the sin and the death and all the disease. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I really have come to know Christ. I really don't know where I will spend eternity. Then, man, you know what? I'm glad you're here today. I really am. Because this church loves telling people how much God loves them. We have a passion for that. And in a moment, we're going to give you a way that you can respond. But this morning, I want you just to consider where you are. You know, if you already know Christ, man, look forward to that future. Look forward to what awaits us. And if you're not sure if you're part of God's family, then I want to encourage you to not leave here today without knowing for sure. But all you have to do is just receive that free gift of life that God offers us. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. And God, we know that your love for us is infinitely more than we could ever imagine. God, we know that in Christ we have nothing to fear. God, we know that in Christ we have nothing to dread. God, instead we know that, that our future is secure. And God, we know that nothing could ever take the hope of the gospel away from us. 
God, no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what Satan does in this battle that's raging around us, God, we have hope in knowing that you are victorious. We have hope in knowing that because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. Father, if there's anyone here in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that you would impress on their hearts right now the need to receive Christ and to join God's family and to receive the glorious future that you have for us. Father, for those who are part of your family here in this room, I pray simply that you would reveal to them the people in their world that they can help draw nearer to you. God, we know that you are good, and we know that you are faithful to your word. We know that you are unshakable and that all of your promises are true. And as we've studied these last five weeks through your word and these core tenets of our faith, God, we know that you will remain true to every single one of them. And we praise you for the hope that that brings to us. In Jesus' name, amen.